Hey, what's going on, guys? It's Chris Mead over the DTCX Exceptional E-Commerce Podcast. I'm back for another episode of My Biggest Lessons with my good friend, Mackenzie Bauer. What's going on? Not much, just hanging out, growing a baby, growing a baby, growing a business, all the things. <laughs> I love it. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Been a big fan of Thread for a long ass time. You've literally like, well, I started on LinkedIn probably three or four years ago. You were one of the first people to like show love, show kindness. And we've been friends since then. It's been great. Like, yeah, we still actually haven't even got to meet in real life, but it's crazy how like you actually feel like online friends are real life friends. So it's been great getting to know you. Well, and I remember being like so blown away because I heard you guys on the Shopify Masters podcast, I think it was. And yeah. then reaching out to you and being like, we'd love to send you guys some product. And you're like, I already use a thread wallet. And I was like, what? It's so cool. No, I love it. It's such like, let's start there, right? I wouldn't, I don't want to say it's an easier, like obvious solution. Like how did it, how did you guys come up with it? Right? Like for all these people out there that have a cool idea, like talk me through that process, how, how long it took to get like proof of concept and get yeah. out on the market. Yeah. So long story short My husband, Colby, who I started the business with back in 2015, he had jumped into the ocean with his wallet in his pocket and lost it. And then obviously had to go replace everything. And when he went online to buy a new wallet, he Googled men's wallets. And all he could was scrolling through was like big, chunky George Costanza type wallets, if anyone's watched Seinfeld. And he was like, I, this is not for me. Like I carry around my student ID, my driver's license and my credit card. So he found a rubber band from like those broccoli clumps or like asparagus that you see at the grocery store. He found one of those and that's what he used as a wallet for a while. So he was using that. And then simultaneously, he was in a business class where he was spending a lot of time learning about Kickstarter and like how to fund Kickstarter products, projects. And so he was on Kickstarter's platform a lot looking at what products were successful and what projects got funded. And there were quite a few back in like 2013, 2014 that were minimalist wallet projects. Mm-hmm. So you can look them up, Tight Wallet, I think it's TGT, and then Krabby Wallet, all these minimalist wallets, but they were all really boring. They all like got a lot of traction, like raised like $300,000, maybe even more, but they were black elastic, brown, like leather on one side, just still kind of boring. So my husband was like, okay, I really like Stan socks. I like Neff headwear, school candy headphones, brands that have taken a really simple product and brought life and expression to it. So he was using the rubber band and was like, okay, I've got my simple product. Now, now it's time to find a way to make this expressive. So we started dating right around that time. And he found a local company that helped him sublimate on some white elastic that he picked up at the grocery store. And then together we like sewed them in my childhood bedroom. If you go on YouTube, you can Google like thread wallets origin story and you can see this all like in short form. But yeah, so we started sewing them together and doing like different prototypes and reiterations and giving them to friends and family. And our friend worked at a local boutique. So we started selling them there and just started getting validation on like what designs, the size, all that stuff. It grew from there. That's crazy. Just from one idea randomly, like, and it's so, it the wallet works so well because I'm, I was the same way. Like 
I have two cards. Why do I want this big bulky thing in my yeah. like in my pants that makes me look weird as hell? And I take it out, and there's yeah. two cards in there, and the cards yeah. are falling out. So, super, well, super well, it's fun. a great it's a great solution for women as well. I think when he first kind of designed it, it was like, oh, this is great for men. You can put it yeah. in your pocket. You don't have to carry on this big bulky thing. But as I started using it, and as we got it in the hands of more women, which is the vast majority of our customer base right now, it's like we noticed that girls were like, "I don't like carrying around a purse. Like I don't like yeah. carrying around all of this stuff." People our age are going to Coachella, like you mentioned earlier. They're going to the yeah. gym. They're going to the beach. They're hiking. Like they don't want something that's just like I. When I was younger, I'd have a purse, and you'd get to like an event, and you're like, "I really only want to take my phone." In it there. sucks. Yeah, yeah, no, oh, absolutely. Carry this all this stuff so yeah just helping people simplify what they have to carry was i love that problem and our solution was the elastic wallet and then we've branched off introducing different products from there i want to get back to that in a second but first like it's hard i want to say it's hard it's challenging running a business with your significant other yeah and i've run across it my fiance Lindsay, is our like director of marketing and yeah. there's good times and there's bad times. And like, yeah. talk to me about that. Like, how, it's got to be a challenge sometimes for you guys. Like, how do you shut it off? Like, what things have you learned? The show is called My Biggest Lessons, right? We got 20 minutes yeah. to go through all the, the goods and the bads. Like, what are some things that have worked really well for you to kind of like separate husband and wife? And then like in work mode, like, how do you keep stay focused? Ooh, that is such a good question. I would say a lot of people have given, like, would give that advice prior, like my husband went to graduate with like a business degree. So he heard all the time, like don't get into business with a friend or your spouse. But we started like thread wallets has been a part of our relationship since day one. Like we joke that he used me for my sewing machine. So that is funny. Lindsay does the same thing. Like we have been doing it together since day one. So I can't imagine our lives without it. But honestly, it's done so much for us. Like I think I look at my my parents' relationship or a lot of more traditional relationships where it was like the husband goes to provide, he's at work all day and the wife is home with the kids. And there's like nine hours of the day that you're not together and your life is like not synced up. And then you mm-hmm. get home and it's like, oh, how's your day? Good. How's your day? Good. Okay, here's dinner. Get the kids' homework done, all that stuff. And then you go to bed and you do the same thing the next day. And I recognize like actually from an early age, seeing that with my parents as amazing as they are, that's not what I wanted for myself. I was like, I want to be like involved with my husband's life. Like I want us to like know what's going on. So it's actually been really fun to work together despite all the problems, it's helped us learn a lot. Like I think a lot of couples when they retire in their fifties or sixties, that's like the first time they've ever spent a lot of time together. That's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. And we've heard it. We have some family friends that they got called to serve a mission for their church. And as soon as they were like together 24 seven, it like put a lot of stress on their marriage and we've been together 24 seven. I mean, now it looks different because we have kids and we have an office and we're not working from home, but we are together a lot. And so we've really had to like face conflict and challenges like head on instead of just avoiding them or not talking about them or not communicating through them. So it's been really beneficial for us. And I think that is a lesson learned, like that you can do business with your partner. You just have to be, there has to be a level of humility and there has to be like over the top communication. Like when we get into our biggest arguments or have our biggest challenges, it's when we aren't communicating well or we're not setting expectations for like, okay, when will you be home from work? 
when will you yeah. be done with that meeting? Like when there's not clear expectations. So if you are going to get into business with a family member or friend, make sure that they are someone that you can communicate with, that you can set expectations for, and that you will hold them accountable for those expectations. And then just know that it's going to be a learning experience. That's so well said. I think it's funny when I look back at like challenges and like arguments with Lindsay, my fiance, it's been like, since we work on top of each other so much, you expect them almost to be a mind reader sometimes. And I've seen like running CrossNet, we have 15, 20 employees. Sometimes, although she's working in the other room, I just think that she's reading my brain because she's shoulder to shoulder with me every day, but I'm still not giving her the one-on-one attention that I actually need and all my employees actually need. So like, if you are going to work with a significant other or brother or stuff like that, you still got to carve out the time to set expectations, have those one-on-ones. And then for me, the biggest thing has just been like shutting work mode off at a certain time. Like obviously it drips through at seven o'clock when you're on the couch, but like we we try to shut things off at five, five thirty. Yeah. Crossnet's done for the day fold it up and we're back to Chris and Lindsay relationship. And like, that's been really helpful for our relationship. And I think it's really good because sometimes the expectation, like we have networking events together in the evening or he's got an event for this, or he's got a meeting that was scheduled late because someone like, there's always different things. So it's the setting expectations, but then just making sure that even if you don't have like a set time, like at five 30, we're turning off that you take time and like intentional time to be with each other without the business. So like for us, that, that for us, it tends to be more like the weekends than it is like shut it off at six o'clock because we've got the kids. And so sometimes he'll of get course. home. I'm like, okay, I, now that you're here, you take the kids and I've got to get through my emails. So it's hard to shut it off at like one time. But for us, it's like, okay, weekends, okay, trips, like we're going on a trip, we're shutting off. And I'm thankful that we're at that point where we can, we have a team and that we can like not, we went on our first trip this last summer and Colby didn't pull out his laptop the whole time. And I was like, yeah, like we've gotten to a (laughs) point where we have a good team. Like we don't have to be working. Like things continue on without us. And it's awesome. Yeah. Would you, so going to the team, like we could talk on the the relationship side for hours, I'm sure. But if, would you be building your team differently with the iOS? I don't know how much iOS has like impacted you and the impact on your ads, but like if you had to start over from scratch, who would like your first hire be right now compared to maybe what it was? Ooh, that's a really interesting question because my brother and our e-commerce manager, Logan, who has his own agency that runs our ads, he, they fight for who was the employee number one. So like hiring someone to run our ads was like one of our very first priorities. And we started in 2015 and CPAs were like six bucks. Like it was so like ads just like crushed it for us. But I would still say that's probably like one of the first hires I'd recommend because it's such an important part of scaling a business is like understanding that landscape. Like iOS has deeply affected us, but having someone that knows Google and YouTube and TikTok and all these other channels has been beneficial for us. Our philosophy is like to not put all your eggs in one basket. So be diversified in what sales channels you have, whether that's wholesale, owned retail, e-commerce, Amazon, all those different things. So be diversified there, but then be diversified in the platforms that you're running ads and like that you're spending money on. Yeah, I think that would probably still be one of our big hires because that's not something that Colby or I excel at ourselves. Like lesson learned and like something that we focus on is like do what you do best and then hire out the rest. 
So yeah, I still think that would probably be one of our first hires if we were doing things like starting from scratch right now. Yeah, I agree. That was our first hire too. We had a kid I used to play basketball with in high school and he wanted to be an intern so he could skip college. So we gave him college credit and he just ran our Facebook ads. Does he still work for you? Per- no, not anymore. He, he created his own agency actually. So uh, awesome. That's what he's Logan doing did. pretty well. That's cool. Yeah, That's- but that was like five five years ago or so. But yeah, I think that'd that'd probably be my first hire now. And then somebody's gotta be focused on content creation. So like overseeing, and that's kind of what Lindsay does best is like overseeing content and getting it bladed down with a video editor just working 10 yeah. hours a week just grinding yeah. stuff up and seeing what sticks yeah yeah because yeah. you've got to have the content if you're going to have someone running ads for you on all those different you channels content. you have to have content for it so i feel like yeah. those two are like they have to be dynamic players and they're probably hires that you'd bring on like right at the same time if one of those isn't like something that you excel at if you're good at content creation yourself as like a founder or owner 100 then you can be the one that wears that hat for a while but i definitely agree with that yeah, no, absolutely. Talk to me about like getting into retail, right? Because I remember I was in Salt Lake for uh, Christmas time and I was just in some random girl boutique, like Lindsay yeah. dragged me into it and I saw thread wallets at the counter and I'm oh, like, well, one that's awesome. Everywhere. You need to be talking <laughs> about retail. But, uh, but I was still, I want to hear like the mom and pop shops, right? Like, cause I'm not yeah. in too many like boutique stores and stuff like that. Yeah. Talk to me about like, how did that help grow the brand? Like, are those accounts like super profitable? How do you look at that? Yeah. Oh man, as you know, with retail, it's a beast. (laughs) Like it has become such a necessary kind of evil for us. Evil is not even the right word because it's like, it's so good. It's helped us a lot as iOS has made changes and ads have become more expensive. Like retail has been such a huge player for us in terms of like where revenue is coming from. And that's kind of goes back to what I was saying about like diversification. So what's funny is we started out, so we started Thread in 2015 and early on we got into like local boutiques here in Utah, the skate shop down the street and our friend who was the buyer, a shop down the road as well. So we were in like a handful and then people would reach out to us every now and then. And it was pretty much just like playing defense. Like anytime someone came to us, we'd look at their Instagram and be like, sure, like you look great. We'll send it, we'll send you product. And it was just, so we just played it really small and like just took things really slow. Our first big box retailer was Shills. I don't know if you guys are in Shills, but they- Oh yeah, Nationwide. That was our first account. Oh, they were our first like big account and they are the best partner. Like they pay on time. They have scaled us to all their store. Like they just have been great. So they were our first big box retailer and we had no idea what we were doing. Like I remember getting the barcodes and like having to stick them on our products because we didn't have barcodes on any products yet and crazy journey. But we started really pushing retail. Our goal was at the beginning of 2020. So we onboarded with all of these reps and had like this big, I guess it wasn't big, but for us, it was like, I think we probably onboarded like six to eight reps at that time. And then COVID hit and it was like no retail. So we're like, what is going on? But things have bounced back. And once stores started opening up again, people wanted to be out and in store. So we've brought on reps that have primarily focused on small like mom and pop boutiques. We have a rep in California. We have East Coast, Florida. We have someone covering all territories in the US right now. So all territories are being covered and they focus on a lot of like independent retail shops or 
shops that have like 30 sub 30 accounts so like 30 okay. different locations so ron john surf shop jack surf shop places like that and it has been really beneficial for our growth like i said but also really hard because a lot of these small retailers they don't pay on time and you have to like really work to get your money like chase it down and that's how big boxes as well too and then this year we brought on a rep to help us expand into like big box so we're Working on like Tilly's, Nordstrom, Urban Outfitters, yeah. that's awesome. And how does that so how does that relationship with the rep work? Do you pay them a percentage of sales? Is it off the top? Is it off net? Like for people who are yeah. listening, I I don't use a rep, right? So I'm genuinely curious too. Yeah, you guys have killed it to not have a rep. So we have a lot of like these independent stores and like the demographics that we want to be hitting. You really like we tried reaching out to them on their own, but because we're such a new product and it's like a product that needs some explaining in some regards, like in some regards it doesn't need any explaining, but then other people are like, well, my cards fall out. Well, this. So having yeah, yeah. someone that like knows the brand, trusts the brand, knows us, pitching it to these stores, like, hey, I know them. This is going to fly off the shelves for you. Get them in has been really beneficial for us. So yeah, we give them a percentage. And then okay. we have our, I believe like our big box rep, gets like a flat rate, like a monthly fee, like we pay her and then she'll get like a smaller percentage of commission based on what accounts we get in. But I'd have to double check on that. But yeah, that's something that we're always toying with. Like, okay, what accounts do we bring back in house? Like, cause now this one's yeah, off. yeah, it's an interesting world, but it is really nice to have reps because they have those relationships with the stores already. No, uh, absolutely. And it's so hard for us. Like I've been to Salt Lake twice in my life, right? Like how am I going to get into a local Salt Lake sporting goods store that has one yeah. or two, lo- Al's sporting goods store, actually, they yeah. have two locations yeah. and like, thankfully they found us, but realistically I would have never found that company yeah. ever. Oh, I'm sure they're a great they're, for you too. Dude, they're a hundred thousand dollar account. They're a great account for us, but like, yeah. had I not had them come inbound, a rep would have probably found them and it would have been a great business. So like, yeah. as we kind of look oh, to diversify even more, trying trying reps would probably be a, a good solution for yeah. us for sure. And yeah, and it's nice too, because we have someone in-house, we have a wholesale like manager and okay. we're actually shifting things around. We're going to bring make her like the wholesale director and then bring a manager underneath her because things are growing so much. But she like manages the relationship with the reps. So yeah. we'll do like a yearly rep summit where we fly them all in and talk about goals and strategies and like award reps who performed really well and treat them to like a day on the mountain. So we have That's a wholesale cool. manager in-house that like really makes sure that they're, they're taken care of. Because you you have to, there has to be, if you're going to bring on reps, there has to be a touch point internally for them to connect with and have their questions answered. Absolutely. Have you found that since you guys have become more wholesale focused, that your D2C has shifted downward or how how are you kind of taking the two approaches? Like, how are you looking at things differently? Yeah. So we, this year, our goal has been to really make things an omni-channel approach. Like before it was, okay, wholesale's one channel, Amazon's one channel, online's one channel. But now we're looking at them as like, they all have to work. I don't even know what the word is, but like, we have to focus on all of them, making them cohesive together because mm-hmm. all ships rise together. So yeah, for sure. us, we've seen that like, as we put time and attention into like one channel, another channel will grow as well. So like, this is a good example. We opened up kiosks. So like our owned retail presence this past in 2020 and 
we have kiosks like right outside of stores that sell our product. And we've kind of been like, Oh, how is this going to affect sell through rate in the store? In the store. Yeah. And the owner, we saw the owner or the manager of this, this store, San Diego at, I want to say outdoor retailer surf expo. And he was like, I actually love it. I love it because people walk past your booth and it's like a touch point for them. And then they come in and they do their shopping and then they see your product at the cash wrap. And it's like, Oh, I saw this outside. Oh, I'll get it here. So it's like every touch point, like they see us online, they see us in the store, they see us or they see us in one of our kiosks, they see us in a surf shop or skate shop. It's just another touch point that allows them to interact with the brand. And so we've really like tried to make an emphasis on like making them all cohesive so that they all grow together. So yes, that there's been effects to our online growth as wholesale grows. Like there's been some months where wholesale is greater than our online sales. Yeah. But for the most part, you're seeing things all like the pie, they're all changing at the same time, which is really cool okay. because we're trying to make it like omni-channel and putting enough energy into everything so that it's a cohesive experience for the customer wherever they go. Okay. I'm trying to think of it, even from my own personal, like, not like what I want to know is like, are you guys okay with having a higher CPA on Facebook, knowing that you'll have that offline attribution, whether it's on Amazon or at retail a week later? Like for us, ideally, I'm at a two row as where I have a $75 acquisition cost. Yeah. If I know I'm in peak season, and I know I could get some reorders from stores, hell, maybe I'm cool with a $100 acquisition cost, which isn't ideally profitable on D2C. Totally. But if I get a big ass order in two weeks, we're kind of good, right? So like, how are you looking at that? I think you have to look at it as like balance, right? Like sometimes the scales might look off balance, but if you look things as like a year out or like six months or like quarterly, it's like, okay, if we had wholesale beating out online every single month, there'd probably be like some concerns because we want to maintain like a lot of strength online, like a big online presence. But when you're looking at things like holistically and like, okay, we had a better month in February with wholesale because that's when everyone was putting in their pre-orders for spring. That's going to make sense for February. But in March, because that's when, or end of February, because that's when we launch spring. And then we have like our Easter egg hunt in this day, like our sell, we should see a spike here with online. So really just making sure that you have your eyes on all channels and like the patterns and understanding like when certain, like your peak season, right? Understanding peak season for retail, you're going to probably go, okay, online might be slower this time. However, Christmas time or whatever, maybe that's not peak season for retail, but maybe there's a lot of people buying stuff for vacations that are going on or whatever. So it's just knowing those patterns and being in tune and like being really good with like the data and the reporting and having a good team like our e-commerce manager looking at those numbers and understanding what they're saying. Absolutely. Knowing your numbers and like looking at it daily has never been more important. Like working with our CFO daily to make sure we're profitable or like we're trending in the right direction. Since iOS, it's been so damn important for us. Yeah. So, well, and like that's iOS too. The other thing is hard is right now, if you like look at what our CPA, like what Google and like all our reporting software yeah. are saying, like our CPA is through the roof. But it's like we know that because of other things, like other metrics and like what we're pulling in through 
wholesale and stuff that it's offsetting that. So like you really do have to have like that pulse on like what is average, what is good, what you're okay with. Our analogy is like we're a car and when you have like your dashboard is all those metrics, like understanding like all those numbers. If you don't know what your gas tank is at, like you can't go pedal to the metal. Like you have to have a reading on all of those statistics to know, or all that data to know if you can like go hard, if you need to slow down, if you're out of inventory, like there's so many things that affect it. So that's the analogy we're always using to like, okay, how's the gas tank looking? How's our oil looking? Like all that stuff. Yeah. No, that, that's so perfect. And like, even last month, we were at like a six row as my target's like 2.2. So yeah. that tells me like, great, we were efficient, but we didn't gas it enough. I should have spent yeah. way more money and optimized it. And totally. shame on me. Like it's six saying, hey, I have a six row as, but that doesn't matter if I'm making a hundred bucks, like spend that damn money and, yeah, and scale totally. it up. Totally. So, so that's, so we'll kind of always like in our Slack channel, there'll be conversations like, hey, ROAS today, like this week has been looking really good, like pedal to the yeah. metal, Logan, like our e-commerce manager, let's go first. We can cut back on that like a little bit, like we don't need a six, we can have like a three or four and just like, exactly. yeah. yeah, so just no, always so- having, having a pulse on those numbers and that data is really important. I love it. Cool. Last question for you. Yes. Who else should be on this podcast? You had to have one person to share their biggest lessons and, and mistakes and, and take me through the journey. Who would you have? One person. Have you connected with Davis Smith from Cotopaxi? No, not yet. Yeah, he'd be great. He's awesome. He's just done a lot of different things. He's worked with family. He's started a business like a pool, like pool table business. And then he recently bought that back. Cotopaxi's got like huge funding. He'd be a cool person to have on. Super humble. I will. I love it. Yeah. Cool. Well, Mackenzie, thanks so much for coming on. If you guys haven't checked out Dread Wallets, you need to buy it. The best wallet company in the world. Very practical. I love it. So thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much. So that's another episode of My Biggest Lessons. Each and every week, I'll be having one of my favorite entrepreneurs come on, share their stories, their mistakes, the things they wish they knew. Entrepreneurship's a lonely road, right? You only learn by getting better. You only learn by making mistakes. So I want them to come on, share their stories. If you have somebody in mind that you want on, drop a comment, subscribe, share with a friend. Let's get the best people in the world on here. Thanks for listening.